In today's sermon podcast, Pastor Rick introduces the concept of parables and their significance in Jesus' teachings, emphasizing their ability to make abstract truths more concrete and applicable to life. We'll focus on the parable of the sower and the seed, explaining the different conditions of soil and their symbolic representation of people's hearts. Join us today as Pastor Rick kicks off our sermon series on the parables. Good morning. Good morning to those of you joining us online. Grab a Bible, phone, something you can read God's Word from. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 13, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. We'll get to that in just a moment. It happened on October 30th, 1938. Uh, Most Americans did not have a television. They were huddled around their radios. And uh, Orson Welles was about to make history simply by telling a story. Uh, Wells narrated and directed uh, The War of the Worlds, a story about Martians, of all things, invading the United States and the potential of the end of the world. And the story was told in three 20-minute segments. The first two segments of the story were told without interruption, and they began with these words, we interrupt this broadcast. The second segment of the show ended as a reporter was atop of the CBS building, and he's describing what he sees in New York City. He said, there are five great machines waiting across the Hudson River. Poison smoke is drifting over the city. People are running and diving into the East River like rats. Others are falling like flies until he begins to cough. And eventually succumbs to the poison gas himself. And that segment ends with a ham radio operator calling out in a crackly signal, 2X2L. 2X2L calling CQ. Is there anyone out there? Is there anyone out there? Is there anyone? People were huddled around the radios and they were amazed by what they were hearing Newspapers reported that panic ensued among the people. People began calling the police departments and saying, we smell the poison gas. (laughs) People shot water towers because they thought they were invading Martian ships. People reported seeing lights. Research has been done on this because it was such a huge phenomenon. And a guy named Richard Hand said that about 6 million people listened to that broadcast. Of those 6 million, 1.7 million of them believed the end of the world was happening. Another 1.3 million were frightened because they thought the story could be real. So get this, 3 million people affected because a story was told so well. So it comes as no surprise that Jesus, the master teacher, was also a master storyteller. If you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there are somewhere between 36 and 50 parables, stories that Jesus told. The Gospel of John contains no parables, only allegories. Remember that when you're reading through Scripture. And we're going to focus today, by the way, the word parable comes from the Greek word parabole. Para means alongside, bole means to throw, to throw alongside something. So we, what Jesus is doing is he's throwing alongside a heavenly truth, a spiritual truth that may be hard for us to understand, an earthly story that makes it really clear and simple to understand. And that is why Jesus' teaching was so 
popular. I gave you a couple of definitions there uh, to begin this to write down. A parable is a comparison of an earthly story to a spiritual reality. Typically, a parable is really easy to remember. Matter of fact, if I were to ask you what you remember most out of Scripture, it's probably going to be the parables that Jesus told. Another definition, a parable makes an abstract truth more concrete Easier to remember and easier to apply to life. So it's just a teaching tool. Now this summer, we're going to spend all summer in the parables. And we're starting today with the first parable that Jesus ever told. And I need you to get, this is a weighty sermon, right? This is not, this is not a giggle sermon. This is a weighty, weighty sermon. The first parable that Jesus ever told was what the rest of the parables were built on. So you need to understand the truth of this parable to understand the truth of all parables. And this is a weighty truth. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. And in it, Jesus explains the mystery of spiritual life and spiritual growth. Now, I want you to look right here at me because this is what Jesus is about to explain. He's going to explain why two kids can grow up in the same home, hear the same truth, and one responds and one doesn't. He's going to explain why two people can come and sit on the same row beside each other, live in the same home often. And one will hear the truth and respond to it, and the other one will not. And he calls this the mystery. So if you will, take your Bible and read with me. We're going to read two passages in the same chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 11, then we're going to skip to verse 18 and read through 23. That day, Jesus went out of the house, and he was sitting by the sea, and a large crowd crowds were gathered to him. So he got into a boat, and he sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples said, why, why, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus said, and I need you to underline this word, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries. I need you to highlight that word. We're going to come back to that. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Skip to verse 18. Disciples come and they go, we don't understand what this is. Would you explain it? So Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is temporary, only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for uh, the chance to gather. It's been a good day. Uh, you've already done some amazing things and we look forward to what you're going to do here. This is a hard word. Uh, Father, so I pray that you would soften our hearts to receive it. And that somewhere in this, we would see where we are and where we need to be. And Father, even, uh, even if these are hard to hear, that Father, we would understand it's about conforming us to the image of Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. So it was hot. 
really hot. The only relief was the salty wind blowing in off the Sea of Galilee. And, and adding to the heat was this crowd, incredible crowd pressing in to hear Jesus teach because he taught like no one ever taught. He taught in stories and ways that people could understand. And today he was telling the story of a sower who went out to seed. And as he began to teach, he may have looked on a hillside and pointed to a man who was sowing that day. And he said, a sower went out to sow. That day, that man got up. He probably had a piece of bread and cheese for breakfast. He kissed his wife goodbye. The sun still hadn't come up. He picked up a bag with seed in it. And when he looked into that seed, he's, he's, that bag, he saw his family's future. Because as the crop went, the future went. He went out that day. He wouldn't see his wife till after the sun set. And he began to sow, not like we sow, but he, he sowed by swinging his arms across in front of him, just letting the seed go, not in rows, just wherever the seed would fall. And in that day, the fields were divided by hard paths, trodden by the feet of families who lived around, and they, they made property lines. But because they were so well-traveled, they became hard as rock. And as the sower sowed, he, he sowed wildly, and, and sometimes those seed would bounce over onto that path, and the birds knew this. They knew life, and they knew how life unfolded, and they knew where to find a good meal. And so they would watch and wait for the sower. And when that seed landed on that hard ground, they would find an easy meal, swoop in, pick it up. Some of the seed that the sower sowed fell on shallow soil, not like Oklahoma soil where there's a, a rock here and there and you pick the rocks up. No, this looked good. It looked really good. An inch, maybe an inch and a half of good soil on top of a limestone shelf. And the seed would fall into that soil, start to sprout, but it wasn't deep enough to take root. And, and the sun would come because it always comes with the heat and the drought and the wind. And when hard times came, the seed would die because there was no root. And then some soil fell in good, or seed fell in good soil. But, you know, good seed's not the only thing in good soil. They're, they're weeds and thorns and thistles. And there's a limited number of nutrients in the good soil. A limited amount of moisture in the good soil. And so everything's competing, right? And listen, listen, make sure you get it. It's a fierce competition for life and death. And sometimes the weeds win. And the seed dies. And the last, the last seed fell into good soil. Took root and produced fruit. And Jesus, in that day, scientists can look back and tell us, in that day, a, a wheat crop, a, a barley crop, would produce maybe one to eight, one seed, eight grains, considered a great harvest. So Jesus is telling this story. And he is a master storyteller. He looks at the people and he says, sometimes that'll produce 30-fold. And you could hear the old farmers going, oh, 30, 30-fold, looking at each other, kind of laughing. Jesus grins a little bigger and he goes, or 60. Oh, 60? Who can imagine? And maybe with a laugh, Jesus would say, and sometimes a hundredfold. I want you to understand in the, in the farmer's mind, that was a 10,000% increase. They lost their minds. Who could comprehend such a harvest? A simple story with huge truth for our life. We start with this one. Why church will not change your life? 
I called your attention to verse 11 where Jesus used the word mysteries. Now, when we talk about a mystery, we talk about something that may be undiscoverable, right? The mystery of the Bermuda Triangle or the mystery of Bigfoot. You know, we just may never know some of those things. But in, in Scripture, the word mysterion means something that you just don't know yet. It is comprehensible. It has not been revealed to you yet. For instance, is Matthew. Uh, how many of you know Matthew's middle name? Anybody in here know his mama's here? She should know his middle name. His wife knows his middle name. Anybody else? It's Joseph. Matthew, Joseph, Costner. Now, here's the deal. That was a mystery to you. Now you know. <laughs> Jesus is about... To say spiritual life and spiritual growth has been a mystery to you. In just a moment, you're going to know. You're going to know. And here's the first truth. The only person responsible for my spiritual growth is me. It is me. If you didn't know, now you do. Um, the mystery has been revealed. This entire parable is about what you and I do with the Word of God. So what you can't say, well, our pastor stinks. It's his fault I'm not growing. No. Look at me. I've lived here a long time. I've heard everything about every pastor you could possibly hear. It's not the pastor's fault you're not growing. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. They hurt my feelings. Understand it happens. We live in a fallen world. You're still responsible for your spiritual growth. Right? That every week when we gather, truth is sown. When you read God's word, truth is sown. You are responsible for what happens with that truth. Not your mom, not your dad, not your parents, not your pastor, not your youth minister. Nobody. You are responsible for what happens. In your life with spiritual truth. Second truth. The message, the word, the seed is always the same. The seed never changed, right? The response isn't. Uh, what this parable teaches us, man, this is hard. Is that perhaps people sitting in the same row and the sa in chairs right beside each other will hear the same truth. It will, the same seed will be sown, but not all will respond the same. You got kids living in rebellion, grown kids living in rebellion, and you think you can make them do something, right? Here, here's my example. I, the worst pastor I ever was was when I was an angry pastor. And I thought I could change people by screaming at them. Right? The louder I scream, the better the invitation will be. Right? <laughs> or motivate them with guilt. Watch this. Guilt is the worst motivator ever. If you're not doing what you do because you love Jesus, you'll not keep doing it. Promise made. Promise made. You better do it because you love him. Any other reason, you'll quit. But I lived there, man. I lived there because I thought I could make people do something. If you're a parent and you got a kid living in rebellion, let me break the news to you. You can't make them do anything. If you could, you already would have. They are responsible for their own heart. They are responsible for what they do with truth. In the parable, the composition of the soil is all the same. There's not good, bad, good soil and bad soil. So make sure you understand this. You can't look at somebody and go, bad soil. It's all the same. The soil never changes. 
the condition of the soil changes. This, this is huge. If Jesus said, oh, some people have bad soil, then there's no hope for them. Are you with me? If you were born with bad soul, there's nothing you can do with it. But the soul's the same. The only thing that changes is the condition. Some soul's hard, some soul's shallow, some soul's crowded, and some soul's good. The composition's the same. The condition is different. And the hard soul can be broken. The, the crowded soul can be cleaned, right? And that's hope. That's hope for all of us, no matter how we find ourselves today. And here's where this is going to end. I believe you know how your heart is. I believe if you came angry and cynical and mad and hurt and your heart is hard, you already know it, that the truth of God's word bounces off you. So let's look at these, these hearts. Let's look in verse 19, what Jesus called the hard heart or the hard soul. Uh, and the scripture says that, that seed falls on that path and, and the birds come in and quickly get it. Satan removes it from our life. Here's, here's what you need to know. Satan doesn't show up to scare me. He shows up to deceive me. Why does that matter? First of all, let me clarify something. Should you be afraid of Satan? Okay, this is church. It's okay. Yeah, I will tell you the answer in advance. Yes. Should you be afraid of Satan? Yes. Right? So I'm not saying don't be afraid of him. But I'm saying that he understands that what people are afraid of, they stay away from. I don't like snakes. I don't want them around me. Right? I'm not trying to figure out how close I can get him. But if Satan can deceive you, if you were afraid of him, you'd never invite him into your home. But because he deceives us, we invite him into our home daily. Are you with me? His goal is not to frighten you. His goal is to deceive you. And the scripture says that sometimes our hearts get hard and Satan comes in when that hard truth hits that hard heart and he just takes it away. So what, what happens in our life to make our heart hard? Sometimes it's pain. Right? You're not going to get out of this life without being hurt. And sometimes that hurt makes us look at God and we shout at him, why did you do this to me? Why did you let this happen to me? Why did they divorce me? Why was my child born this way? Why do these things happen? And we shout at God and that heart gets hard. And listen, Satan waits for that moment. And he swoops in and he takes truth out of your life. Just like that. Sometimes it's pleasure. Ah, oh, man. I love this so much. I'm just going to turn, I'm just going to turn my head to a little bit to what God's word teaches. That heart gets hard and Satan comes in, boom, pulls it out. takes it away and that hard heart cannot be affected by anything anyone says right because it's your heart look at me it's your heart I can't change it your parents can't change it it is your heart not affected by anything anybody else does the only thing that can change a hard heart is to break it and here here's what I want you to do I want you to think about the time in your life that happened that God broke your hard heart because it's there. That time when you looked at life and you thought, I don't need God. And then that moment when your heart got broken and the soil of your heart was softened and you realized, I gotta have God. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna make it without God. That was your moment. That was your moment. So what's our lesson? Well, here's our, our first takeaway. God's work in our lives depends on our softness. Um, you want God to do something great in your life spiritually, make sure your life is receptive and soft to the truth. 
Uh, because the condition of your heart is your responsibility. You know right now if your heart is hard. And once again, you will decide today what you do with truth. Number two, the shallow heart. Verses 20 and 21. Uh, in this passage, Jesus talked about that rocky soil. Again, I've explained it. Not rocks in the soil, but great soil. Great soil. Maybe an inch deep limestone shelf under it. Nowhere to go for the, for the roots. From all outward appearances, this soil is great. So who does this represent? Listen carefully to this one. This represents people who receive the truth. Look at verse 11. Or I'm sorry, verse... Maybe it is 11. No, it's not 11. It says it with joy. With joy. They receive the truth with joy. Now, here's our first truth. If there is no root, there is no life. This is where we recognize truth, right? Great sermon, great lesson, great song, great book. We amen. This is what the scripture means when Jesus said they receive it with joy. We know what's good. It just never makes any difference. Look at me. When was the last time truth changed something in your life? When was the last time you said, I'm going to live differently because truth was sown? It took root in my heart. I didn't just say amen. I'm living a different life because of the truth that was sown in my life. God's work in our life must be a personal commitment. In the, in the parable, Jesus said the, the scorching sun and the dry weather did the plan in. Here's what I want you to know. Especially if you live in Oklahoma, you ought to get this. In a day can make a big difference in the weather. Right? It can be comfortable today and unbearable tomorrow. And that's life. And that's what Jesus wants you to see. And listen, it's going to happen and if you've been living in shallow soil, the seed will die. It'll die. Our job is to put down deep roots in our lives. And I'm going to push you. Walking an aisle is a shallow response to the things of God. It's easy to walk an aisle and never change anything in life. It is tough to follow Jesus. Tough to follow Jesus. We put down deep roots by spending time in God's word. Number three, the overcrowded heart. Verse 22, this is the thorny soil. This is uh, the heart that is overcrowded. What is the truth? The truth is the weeds rob the plant of life. Limited, see this, limited amount of nutrition and moisture in that soil. And the competition for what gives life is brutal. Make sure you get that. That something out there is working to take from you what would bring true life to you. And Jesus called it weeds. He called it weeds. And so the crowded heart becomes that heart that has time for everything but God. So, so here's our question for our own personal life examination. What are the weeds in your life? Well, why, why would you look at and, and say, this is choking out the truth? What's taking what could belong to God? Pastor, I don't have time to do the Bible reading plan. Okay, so look at your life and ask yourself this question. What weeds are robbing me from, of the opportunity to spend time with God? Only limited amount of time, limited amount of nutrition, moisture in the soil, competition for what brings true life. 
what needs to be pulled out. Pastor, I don't have the money to give. Look at your life. What is robbing you of the opportunity to honor God with what you have? They're weeds. And they're trying to take what matters from you and from me in life. God's work in our heart has to be first priority. There's so many things in life that are good pursuits, not evil. I want to make sure you get that. I'm not saying, man, yeah, you're going to have to spend all your money on drugs, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you've got time to watch TV, we're going to get to that. You've got time to do the Bible reading plan. Right? It's that easy. It's that easy. Um, the, last, the last one, the soft heart. Uh, Jesus closes out verse 23, and it, this is just so crystal clear. There are three things that have to happen in our life if we're going to be growing spiritually, and they're evidenced by the production of fruit, always. Look at me. This is where this is going. Spiritual growth is always evidenced by production of fruit. That's what Jesus said. Uh, but there, the things that, that need to happen, when seed falls on good soil, first thing that happens is we hear God's word. That's what Jesus said. We hear the word. Um, so let's talk for a second. How often is seed sown in your life? Well, you're here. Uh, we get 28 minutes. Sometime we go over, we'll call it 30. All right, 30. Uh, let's say that you go, Pastor, I'm on board to do the Bible reading plan. Okay, you're in the top echelon of people spiritually if you're doing the Bible reading plan. And you're giving God 15 minutes a day. That's an hour and 15 minutes, right? Plus the 30 minutes you got here, you got an hour and 45 minutes a week with God. You know what the average American watches in TV a day? I know, you're already there, aren't you? 2.33 hours a day. That's average, which means some people's way over, some people's under, right? Uh, so here, here's, here's what happens and why we live the life we live. Uh, we give less time to God in a week than we give to TV in a day. It's unreal. It's unreal. So if we're going to hear God's word, how can we do that? Man, I need to hear it as often as I can. Then I want you to understand what I'm about to say. That what is true of your life has never been true of any generation that has ever lived. You have more podcasts, videos, access to Christian material than any generation's ever lived. And do less with it. And one day we will stand before God. And it was like, man, I sowed seed all over your life. Why, why didn't any of it take root? Hear God's word. Number two, accept God's word. Receive it, understand it is the word that Jesus, it translates that Jesus used. That means we take it as truth, right? Because we read it, we don't like it, we just ignore it. Now Jesus says, oh, you, got, you got to take that into your life, man. Uh, it, it's hard sometimes. This is hard, right? This is hard to hear. But it's what Jesus said, so we receive it. So when I grew up, there weren't a hundred choices for kid for, for supper, right? Um, you, you could not run to McDonald's, right, and pick up a happy meal every time a kid wasn't happy with what you put in front of them. Uh, when I grew up, it is what I have prepared you receive or you don't receive at all, right? It's what, it's what mama fixed. Eat it or go hungry, right? Well, there wasn't a buffet of choices. Um, God's words like that. God prepares what he wants you to hear. He presents it to you. You either decide to receive it or not receive it. You cannot go, uh, Jesus, I prefer a spiritual happy meal. 
doesn't taste very good. I would really like a happy meal. No. No, I'm serving it to you. You receive it or you reject it. Pretty simple. This world makes it really hard to receive everything that Jesus teaches. Just know that. Just know that. Last thing. We obey God's word. We receive God's word. We hear it. We accept it. And then we obey it. Uh, And then, so how do I know, pastor? How do I know? This is what Jesus said. You bear fruit. Pretty simple. You bear fruit. And this is what he said. Close your Bibles because I want you to get the context of this for these guys that are hearing this for the first time because we've heard it a million times. And we'll be done. Sometimes you'll bear 30, sometimes 60, sometimes 100. Be, be first century listeners. And be the farmer that's used to getting 8 to 1. And this guy's looking at you and he is saying, the increase of the crop the fruit production will astound you. It'll shock you. 30, 60, 100, and all, all you have to do is receive what I give you. Hear it? Understand it? Obey it. Would you bow your heads with me today? I, uh, I believe with all my heart, because I know it's true in my own life, that we know the condition of our heart because we're responsible for it. And I believe you know the condition of your heart today. I think if, you're, if your heart is hard, you know it. If your heart is shallow, you know it. If it's overcrowded, you know it. And here, here's the invitation today. Would you, would you please just stop waiting for somebody else to fix it? Nobody else else is responsible for that but you. Right there. I I used to wait for a knight on a white horse to ride into my life and make everything right. It's not going to happen. You are responsible for your spiritual life. And maybe just, maybe the day God got a hold of you and today is that moment that heart breaks, that hard soil becomes soft soil and receives the truth. And Victor is here and Matthew's here and I'm here and we'd love to celebrate that moment in life for you when Jesus became real. Or maybe you'd look at your life and say, listen, I I have been playing at church. I've been been floating around this church. I've never planted my life here. I've never gotten involved here, pursued a connect group, pursued the Bible reading plan. I've never tried to grow. But I realize I'm responsible, and today I choose to put my life here, to be a part of a family that is doing their best to pursue Jesus. Maybe God has spoken something else to you today. If he has, you have the freedom to respond. Uh, God has been doing stuff all morning. And we look forward to what he's going to do right now. Father, thank you for our time together. God, look forward to what you're going to do. God, give people boldness today. Father, let us be tired of what we've always been so that we can become what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.